Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Kashif Booth podcast. If you're new here, each week I sit down with a guest and we discuss their career so far, the highs, the lows, and what's next for them. Today's guest is Ella Bennett. We've known each other for a few years. She is an award-winning writer, director, extraordinaire, big fan of her work. So great to have you on the show. Welcome to the show, Ella. Thank you, Kashif. I'm really, yeah, looking forward to having a conversation with you. Good, good, good. So as I said, we've known each other for a few years. And then a couple of years ago, me and you kind of clicked up with Olu and we was going to all these cool events and stuff like that. So it's just like, it's good to see you throughout this whole pandemic. Because I remember we saw each other early last year. Do you remember briefly? We went to like your friend's birthday. Yeah. That the whole world turned upside down. So yeah crazy so tell us about you how did you get started in film and tv oh oh gosh I get asked this question I get asked this question a lot um I started with um my mum bought me a Toshiba camcorder um for Christmas I remember actually vividly when I got the box and I opened it up and the camera wasn't inside so my mum and my mum's family like our family friend they both had to go and like get the actual camera um because they've been sold the camera without the actual like they sold the camera kit without the actual camera inside so there's actually a recording of me receiving the box (laughs) opening up the box and like seeing nothing inside and my face and as you can imagine baby Ella like at 14 I was so distraught (laughs) by the fact that this box did not have this Toshiba camcorder inside but yeah basically so that day that same day they got it they actually got it back um (laughs) and that's and then I basically started to record with my family our family friend's daughter um who like you know I grew up with um and I was filming skits so like making up improv scenarios. One I remember vividly of me and my family friends, um, well, I call her like my cousin Shakira, were playing um, this, 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 no, we're playing this story out where I was a waiter, waitress, sorry, and she was a, like, <laughs> she was um, like, you know, a, you know, a, a, a customer, and I was asking her what she wants to order, and then she said that the food is crap. Like she just, she was improv. Like she was very yeah, into yeah. drama as well. The food is rubbish, and basically she was like, "You're chaman, you're black like me, a shoe bottom." And then, like, <laughs> for those who are listening, they're like, "What the hell? That's so <laughs> wild and problematic." But at the time, we literally was just making up. I just remember vividly using my Toshiba camcorder. Anyway, I'm going into too much DL, but yeah, um, that was like using that Toshiba camcorder. I was filming. Um, I remember I used to do randomly do tennis in secondary school in like year eight, and I just filmed my friends in tennis up in Dulwich, um, West Dulwich, and then. I would use it for like school as well. I filmed like some of the sports days with it. And then basically one of the sports days that I filmed on 
with this camera. I think it was a Toshiba camera or a Samsung. Um, I moved up to a 50 quid Samsung cam um, camera, them days where you could take pictures and record. And I, and I based, no, it was with the Toshiba. Basically I was filming um, the relay race, like a um, hundred meter sprint and I, and I dropped. Everyone that listens knows that I was very clumsy and I'm still quite clumsy. <laughs> so I dropped and the lens cracked. Wow. But I did not have a camera. And then basically I wanted to get, I wanted to go to the Brit school in year nine. And I remember my friend Eva, um, she got in for theater and then I didn't get in for music twice. And I was so like, for four days I was crying, almost like I broke up with my boyfriend or something. And um, my mum was like, oh no, like we were at a parents evening one day and my mum was looking through the course and she was like, this course looks really interesting. It's called Creative Media Diploma. Um, and basically, yeah, um, I was like, she said, look, it's got, you can do music, you can do art, you can do dance. It was very new at the time I went to the charter school. Um, and it was an academy. It's very sports academically driven school, but there's this diploma that they introduced for the second year ever at the time. So basically, um, I thought, yeah, let me give it a go because I was already into like filming at the time. As I was mentioning, I had the Toshiba camera from the age of 14. So by 15, no, yeah, by 15, I was kind of like, yeah, just, um, basically really kind of edit I was editing at the time as well um like just on my sort of computers and MacBook I had a MacBook that my mum um got me and yeah so and then my mum like my uncle's um partner at the time um gave me Final Cut 6 so this was before year 10 or year 9 yeah before year 10 this was all before year 10. So I think I was editing from 13, actually, because um, she gave it to me to use on my laptop. So I was kind of having a lot of access to technology, if I'm honest, from a very young age. I had a Microsoft um, laptop, Microsoft desktop at home, and I would use paint windows and I would draw, draw cartoons. But it wasn't until I got a camera, like a camcorder, which they're quite you know cheap they're cheaper than than a film celluloid or you know so then I, I remember when I did my first ever started my first ever day or a few weeks into the first year of the creative media diploma and I did like uh, a cut together photos from pictures that I took at South Bank on one of the school trips I went on and put, laid some funky house music on it. I just wanna fly away, fly away from here. You know that, that song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I laid that on t underneath okay. and then I mashed together some, some photos. I just edited it on, um, I think it was still Windows at the time, wherever the software was in, in that time. And then I think my mum my was like, oh, that's wicked, that was wicked. And then, yeah, and then, I think from the final year, 15 to 16, I think it was, um, I did my first doc. We all had to do a final measure project. You could do a music festival within the school. You could um, do anything you wanted, make something. And um, we had a teacher, teaching assistant at the time on this course um, who asked me what 
what purpose means to me like what what story has purpose basically and then I just started researching documentaries and I just remember watching a documentary about gun and knife crime in in south and then having there being subtitles and I would question why is there subtitles I can understand what they're saying so when she asked me that question it triggered those images of these constant propaganda documentaries about black youth Mm -hmm. and I wanted to sort of challenge that stereotype so over the summer I um, basically went around Southwark and filmed and interviewed um, people from South, South, South London, uh, Southwark Estates and all the no, general public and youth leaders, youth workers about this conversation of living on a council estate. And then I cut that together and was basically ready, nearly wrapped up my, my year really <laughs> with this documentary. And my teacher at the time was in, was surprised. The classmate, my classmates were surprised about the sort of about, like the, the outcome of it. I wrote a track for this documentary. I did a music video as well for it. Wow. And um, that's what then triggered the reaction, triggered me wanting to go to the Brit school again, <laughs> but this time for for media. And then, yeah, and I got in. Um, and that was kind of the start of the journey, I would say. I've heard your journey before and I love hearing it all the time because you've been doing this for like ages from when you were a teenager. <laughs> like, and that's what I love about it because people, you know, some people start when they're at university or college or maybe as an adult, you've been doing this for so long. And I've never asked you and I'd love to know like, what, where did your inspiration come from? Like, where did your passion for being a filmmaker, a creative, where did it come from? That's a that's a good question. I honestly couldn't tell you. <laughs> I guess I was, um, you know, when it says it takes a village to raise a child, mm-hmm. maybe that element. I've just been, you know, I grew up on a council estate for 16 years of my life. And my mum, you know, is it grew me up. She was a single parent, but we had amazing neighbours, um, God bless neighbours who are from Ghana. And they, you know, contributed hugely to my life as a child. But I also went to play scheme every summer. And that was to be like a movie. I had up to about at least 10 different black youth leader, leaders mm-hmm. every single year for maybe, I think, three to five years. So it was an array of things. You know, I had access to NTL cable. I'm an only child. Well, I have, I have a sister on my dad's side, but I grew up as an only child. So I had, I had, I had, you know, I was a bit spoiled. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. And I I guess I, my mum didn't, you know, my mum raised me well, obviously with manners, but in terms of what I was able to get, you know, I guess, I mean, there's not just me. I'm not just isolated, but what I I guess what I'm getting at was I had a computer. (laughs) I knew about AOL dial up when Mm -hmm. my, like some people around me didn't. Right. And I guess also um, NTL, I watched a lot of Cartoon Network, like, and then I used to draw whatever I saw on Cartoon Network. Like this, remember cable was new, right? Mm -hmm. So it was quite overwhelming compared to someone like Martin Scorsese, who would have to physically go to the cinema to watch films hardly, you know, Mm -hmm. 
that era is a lot different to being just introduced to NTL cable. So I guess that for me, looking a bit more wider, I guess, you know, was just in a mixture of growing up around a constant huge community. Like, you know, if you're living in a block of flats, you're living amongst, you know, at least a hundred people, right? Mm -hmm. And then that's just one block. And there's about what, 10, 12, 13 blocks in the whole estate. My, you know, Kingswood is, is really big. So having that kind of community around me constantly combined with watching a lot of cartoons and, you know, consuming a lot of stories like all of us one-on-one. Mm -hmm. um, those I grew up, right? I grew up half and half. I grew up on that as well as watching Nollywood movies with my neighbor and Bollywood. The, the intersections of what I grew up with, I think is a long-winded answer, but you know, I think it can't be tracked, that can't get tracked <laughs> mm -hmm. when you begin to realize how much it will impact you. Mm -hmm. It's just a number of different things that kind of become a domino effect that lead up to a moment, I would say in this day and age, in the digital age, mm -hmm. at least. No, I definitely agree with your point and what you said, because for me, when I look at how I got into this industry as well, a lot of people ask those questions as well, like, why did you get into this? How did you get started? And it's like, mm -hmm. I can't give you an, a solid answer. Like, my dad's a DJ. He's in a, been a DJ oh, wow. life. He's in his 60s. I'm telling him to retire, but he won't listen. <laughs> <laughs> but he, you know, my mom studied oh, wow. interior design when she was in college, then became a beauty therapist, you know. Oh, wow. so, and then my aunt, she always used to sing around the house. My, my grandmother, she always used to listen to a variety of different genres of music. So I grew up with so many different influences. So of course we're going to be creators. Do you get what I mean? Like when you're influenced by so much all the time, it's just inevitable, you know, it's just inevitable. So I totally understand that. And Definitely. you being where you are now, because you are an award-winning writer, director, you've worked with BBC, you've, you went to Ravensbourne University as well. So what step did you take to get to where you want where you are now like wait how did you get there really the steps i guess from um after graduating at, from the brit school um attending ravensbourne university uh yeah it was pretty it's pretty kind of like a template education you know no, not saying it's the best option ever but what it does give you is 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 a template um and a sort of nowadays it's very different for students but um at the time for me it was a great template i had a lot of options you know i got into the options that i wanted um for university um all of them and ravensbourne felt the most innovative and the most modern so that's why i chose to go there and once i was there it was just about completing the units you know not missing any classes, not missing any lectures. I attended all my lectures. I look look at I look at shows now where they show students in school and stuff in lectures and it's like, what a drag. You know, <laughs> it's like for me, I was so like obviously there was times where you, you know lectures can be quite daunting, like overwhelming or boring. But I attended every single lecture, you know, I did not miss one. And then yeah, I guess. I fulfilled every unit like I was very I'm very militant I'm very serious about what I do so once I've done all of those things and did all the units at, at uni 
um, um, one of the lecturers in my year, the only woman lecturer in my year, put me forward for a mentorship opportunity, an award opportunity that they were giving, um, opening up to all students that attended uh, the fact like at the school. And um, um, I interviewed, but I thought I wouldn't, you know, be any point, mm-hmm. you know, in interviewing for mentorship, uh, not a job. Um, but I went ahead and interviewed for this potential opportunity to get mentored by someone in the industry. Um, and then I won, I won the opportunity, me along with a few others, because there were a few of the bursaries or the awards opportunities going. And one of the one of the panelists um, was actually head of head of head of comedy at the time, or sorry, head of production at BBC Comedy at the time. And she emailed me directly and said, you know, there's would you be open to being a production assistant at BBC Comedy and at the time I'd graduated May 2015 I'd been working as a receptionist and then uh, September 2015 I started at BBC Comedy um, for seven months so that was kind of the if we were talking about how I got in I guess as well like got to where I was that was like the starting point alongside my graduation film that I did at university, whilst at university, which I ended up marketing myself and distributing myself in terms of um, getting into festivals. And that that buzz, the industry buzz on that, even though it's, you know, equivalent to very, it was a small industry buzz, but it was enough to help gear interest and, and attention, I guess, as well. That yeah. helped my sort of get me to the next steps, I guess, yeah. That's really, it's good. I always like to make sure everyone shares their journey because it's so different to everybody else's. Everyone that I've interviewed on this podcast so far, it's been so different. It's people who fell into it or they were just doing the traditional route of working up from a runner, production assistant and working their way up and not focusing on their writing and stuff like that. And as soon as they started focusing on their passion, that's when everything took off for them. So it's really good to hear different uh, just journeys but then I want the listeners to actually understand that everyone's journey is different so when people are telling you advice take it with a pinch of salt because the route to success or your goals are different to everybody else so you've been in this industry for a long time you've been working and making films for a long time what is one of like the hardest thing you've had to learn as navigating through it as a black woman as and as a woman in this industry what are some of the things you've had to learn the hardest thing I've had to learn, I, I guess it would be rejection. I spoke to that about that to a friend of mine. And, you know, we were just speaking about just the rejection that you experience in the industry. Um, and I've heard a few people mention it, and it is hard, I guess. I guess that would be one of the main things that, because I'd, because I'd basically got, my first job you know via uh, an award opportunity I guess when I left or should I say left when my contract ended at BBC Comedy it was very hard after that Um, very difficult so I guess learning how to to refunnel the energy of rejection into something constructive and positive I think that was the hardest thing I sort of learned is 
you know, rejection. But if you're asking me as a black woman, obviously the context of that, the intersectionalities of that is different because, mm-hmm. you know, I am, pre- I have experienced, you know, being at least judged by my, by age and also like, ask, you know, I've had interviews where someone has emphasized how young I am. Okay. So that's automatically to me, you know, discrimination. If we're going to conversate about the hardest, you know, it, what we, what have I experienced that's been difficult? Rejection has been one, mm-hmm. but it's also navigating the bias of gender, the gender, the evident gender bias of hiring, mm-hmm. and to know where to go that doesn't perpetuate that, you know. And then on top of that, um, kind of looking on face value at a lot of production companies, especially in advertising, and and all of the representing um, directors are mostly white men. Right. So it's not it's not necessarily inviting for anyone to see that, right? You know, just come out of university who is from marginalized groups, that is evident, you know, because there's steps to it, there's steps and stages, you know, within your career that yes, you will experience rejection, but what's the context of that rejection? You'll never know because you never get given that feedback. So mm-hmm. you're always kind of hitting a glass wall. You know, because especially if you get an opportunity once and then, you know, it's it, and then it doesn't happen again, that rejection can even be even more difficult if I'm talking objectively yeah. for students out there who are who, who are from marginalised groups within the within Britain. So what would you say is at the moment your mo- your favourite moment of your career so far? What is something you look back on and you're really happy about what you've achieved or where you what kind of opened up more doors for you in your in your career at this moment? Um, favorite moment, I guess, was when I was at Latimer Talks and I won. It was a unanimous vote mm-hmm. for Last Leg to win Best Short. You know, I went to a an award ceremony late later on. Late like after that that scenario, I was so I was writing a I was writing a script at the on the day of winning Best Short for London at the London Independent Film Festival. And I was late to pick up my award for that. <laughs> um, but when I was at Latimer Talks, I was not expecting to win, I guess. And I hadn't experienced being judged by people. I'd been just used to going to film festivals and handing it into like a blank screen, not seeing the people. But when you see the people are voting or you see the person that's judging your work and, and, and awards it, it's, it's a very personal experience. So I would say that that was a defining moment because the audience at that event compared to quite a few of the others that I had been to were black. It was majority black people in the room, black creatives in the room that I still know to this day. And that was five, six years ago. Um, some, some, some I met at the event that came up to me um, personally that I speak to today. Um, and yeah, it was a defining moment, I guess, if you, because it was, it, it shifted um, my network, it grew my network um, hugely um, in a way that I felt, felt great about because it was, yeah, black creatives, other black creatives that, you know, in their numbers as well, the amount of us is, is huge. It's, it's, there's quite a lot of us. So to be able to get connected to them at that time, um, when I was 18 and I was actually going to the Berlin festival at, the, at that time, 
it was just yeah refreshing to see um, black creatives that were I think Sebastian Dill was there as well and I'd grew up watching his stuff on YouTube so when I saw him there in person I was like whoa I know your work like <laughs> you know if it was the same and the same energy I would have or that okay say the same energy someone would have for Spike Lee I have for Sebastian Phil you know uh, <laughs> or Quasin Matthews Quasin Matthews you know those are the sort of YouTubers, YouTube I grew up on as well as everything else, do you know what I mean? So when I saw him there, I was like, wow, it felt like to me full circle because I remember watching their stuff and wanting to work with them one day, you know, because it felt close, closer than something like Hollywood, you know? So I guess, yeah, it was very intimate for me. I was crying and it's the, it's the only ever time I've cried to when I've won something. Mm. I've never cried since, ever, ever since, since winning that whenever I've won anything again, it's never been that compared to that. Um, especially when Mo Ali, you know, hugged me as well. One of the directors that um, voted for my film hugged me whilst I was crying. I was like, I can't believe this. Like I'd won an Oscar, literally. Anyone would have thought I'd won an Oscar the way I was acting, it was actually hilarious. But it really meant something because it was community. To me, that's like, that's what really did mean something. Yeah, the finding favorite as well, because everyone was just so cool as well. It was really relaxed vibe. The losers took it well as well. <laughs> they were very just humble and modest. That's a great moment. And you know, I was there. So I saw when you won. So I was okay. There. I, was there. I remember. <laughs> I remember when we first connected, I was like, I've seen this film before. Like I know this okay. film. And I was like, I yeah, was there. Well, on Twitter, it was on Twitter that I first knew who you were. I've only saw you online, really. I yeah, never yeah, really yeah. knew you. Because yeah. when, when we first found out about each other on Twitter, that's when yeah. I was like, oh, I've seen this. When I saw, I think your pinned tweet was like last leg. And I was like, mm-hmm. I've seen this. So I was there at the screening. So I saw all of oh, that. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I was there. I was there. So it's like, it's so full circle how it happens. But I always yeah. say you're Black and you live in London and you're creative, like, Everyone knows everyone. It's just what it is. So that's really, really cool. And what would you say is the best advice you've received in your career so far? Uh, advice. Yeah, I guess uh, not on my podcast, I guess. Um, no shameless plug. <laughs> the mainstream is dead. Um, Make sure you check it out. The mainstream is dead. Episode um, four, Life life management with Gina Murray she spoke about um it's you know it's important to know who to align yourself with and it's all relationships change or stop or change and it's important to know who you are to align yourself with and it's important to know when to call it when it's done and I think that is just so powerful because as creatives you know you're going to always constantly connect and mix and make amazing um work together but i think it's just something that is like mantra to me now <laughs> in a way because um it, you know it's business it's work and we we all have the right to personal lives and i think sometimes work can sometimes overlap with our personal lives and creative because it's all about story and personal experiences and sometimes it can get a quite you know yeah, it can get quite intense. So I think the most important advice I would say is to learn how to compartmentalize. I think I just sort of riffed off of that for my own personal 
um, self as a director to understand to how to compartmentalize because you find yourself maybe watching a show and then suddenly you're like, oh, who's the director? Who's this person? And you start getting lost into the world. Yeah. And I think, you know, that advice really helped just to rejig everything up and say one day I'll have a family, one day I'm going to have a personal life that's quite, mm-hmm. you know, imp- quite over, you know, it needs my, t- my attention. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that's where I'm at in my life as well. Might be just projecting personal sort of stage in my life as well, I guess, of, of just learning how to distinguish my boundaries as well as a director. Um, working in this industry because the hours can be long and they easily can go beyond what's what's fair for mm-hmm. anyone's mental health as well mm-hmm. so it's not saying it's, it's I've scrutinized anyone that over that that works 12 hours a day I'm not dismissing that it's just more just about knowing when to call it when it's done like okay this is not working for me I need to voice that and 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 speak up for myself um because otherwise you'll just end up giving so much of yourself creatively, I think. I think that's really good advice because sometimes as creatives, a lot of the time it's just go, 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 go. And you need to take a step back, reevaluate your life and relook at small the roses sometimes as well, small the roses at the end of the day. And I totally understand what you mean. It's so funny, we're kind of in a similar time as well in our lives because I started to make sure that I started to meet people outside of the industry like all of my friends do Mm. what we do you you know you're going to have a meeting the next minute you're hanging out socially which is fine and it sounds cool but it's like sometimes I just want to meet up with friends and we're going to have some fun and that's what I started to do and I told you that you need to just break away from it rest your mind rest your mind (laughs) I totally get that's really good advice I really like the way it was put together as well so what's next I mean I'm seeing you're doing great things you're now a lecturer can you tell us more about (laughs) that it's amazing you know how proud I am oh Ella was killing it (laughs) thank you yeah no um it's great it's uh is I'm, I'm, I'm a tutor, I'm a film and TV tutor for screen, Met Film School, and they technically, they have a sort of, um, I wouldn't say sister company, but Screen Space is a BA, new sort of modern BA that's been designed. They've got many BAs actually, but it's a film school um, that's in a partnership with Met Film. And it's about trying to get more sort of open, giving more access and open access to making film basically for for more people um um, and giving more options I guess as well uh so yeah I'm teaching um a specific module it's called Screen Sense and um I have I'm teaching level fives so year twos um and yeah it's really I'm really enjoying it I'm doing it virtually because of COVID-19 um, so safety precautions have to be put in place. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying. It. What's next? Oh me, um, <clears throat> I've written quite a few shorts. I've actually got a feature film as well, and I'm also sort of thinking about other long form projects um, that are kind of in development. But I'm I'm kind of in, in a stage of endurance at the moment, where it's like trying to just find the right um, team for the projects and just kind of at a stage now where I've got quite a lot of of, of in my slate, but it yeah. would be just about, 
yeah finding the right timing as well because everyone is so busy so mm -hmm. just finding the right time and the right team for each project I've got a short that's like a romance I've got a horror that I've written as well so I, I've got quite an eclectic mix of work it's all about just telling stories at the end of the day so yeah for me it's quite open-ended otherwise um other than being being a teacher at the moment and working in development freelance um it's all quite open-ended um I'm, I'm kind of i'm free i'm flexible as well um with what i sort of read um as well um so and on what i'm attached to to direct so it, it just it only time's going to tell now because it's such an exciting time at the moment um with all that's going on especially just um not just in diversity but also just in terms of how business is moving and changing in london and uk anyway there's a lot of new things happening in business um in general as well so only time's going to tell with what's going to happen for me next i guess <laughs> well i'm excited to see you know i'm a big fan of your work i'm like one, i'm your one of your biggest fans <laughs> so oh thank you because Issa Rae, I'm rooting for everybody black. So <laughs> Same here. I'm rooting for everybody black too. Exactly. exactly, exactly. Everybody black too. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Ella. It's great having you on. Where can people find you on like socials and um, yeah, and like your previous work? Where can they find it? Um, they can find it on Twitter. Oh, um, they can find you can find my work on, on my website. It's the easiest because everything's on there. Uh, www.ellalbe.com very mm -hmm. easy and they can follow you in socials like at, is it Ella Bennett? yeah Ella, Ella Biz it's E-L-L-A-B-I-Z-Z -Z. Okay. great well thank you again thanks guys for listening as you know you can follow me on socials or at Kashif Booth or Kashif Booth Podcast or Kashif Booth Entertainment so many socials thanks again guys the work rate the work rate is great <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, guys.